0: You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Hey, good morning. It's a little hot. Man, well, yeah, thank you, thank you. And thanks to, uh, I hope I don't get emotional It's been a challenging two weeks, and I've been living on your prayers. And I just want to thank you, my church, for the staff and the leaders and all of you that have been texting me and continuing to lift me up as we deal with my dad's brain cancer. I love you all very much. Okay. We started a series a couple of weeks ago on camp lessons, and we've been talking about different things that Israel learned through the book of Numbers as they traveled this 40-year camping trip. We've talked about a lot of things already, how God had to set them up so that they were in his order, his, his structure, and then he talked a couple of weeks about no complaining. How you doing on that? I didn't do so well last week. And then last week, Tony shared with you about the fears, how fears can distract us from what God is trying to do in us and through us. And so today we look at Numbers chapter 16. You can grab your Bible and pull that up on your phone or your paper Bible. If you do not have communion, you're gonna want that now. If you're watching from home, great to have you today. I would love for you to get some bread and crackers and have that available at the end of the message today as we share in that special time from what we're gonna learn. Today's another camp lesson about being on the top bunk. How many of you grew up with bunk beds in your house? Oh, quite a few of you. Do you remember as kids how you fought for the top bunk? Now, I noticed that when I was a kid, I always wanted to be on the top bunk. But as I got older, not so much. Can I get an amen from any of you that know what I'm talking about? We'd go to Honduras and they have these two and three uh, tier bunk beds in the camp dorms there. And I noticed on that trip was the first time I had this aha. Sometimes being on the top bunk has nothing to do with how high you are. It has everything to do with who gets to choose which bunk they get. I'm so, I'm tired of the being high. I want to be low where I can get off the bunk and get to the restroom at night. That just tells you how old I am. Israel's going to learn a tough lesson today out of Numbers chapter 16 about what it means to be in charge. And I'm going to share some things with you today. I'm going to try my best to share it as quickly as I can. This chapter has at least three sermons built into it. But I'm going to try to cover the story today and share with you what it means to be in charge. Many of you like being in charge. You, you really like being in control. You like having the top bunk or the first chair or be first team or be the quarterback on the athletic team or, or running things in your home or being in charge at work. And some of you are seeking that right now. In fact, I would speak to every graduating senior. You think you've accomplished something. You have. But don't assume that starting today, starting next week, you're just now on the top bunk of life. There's some things to learn about that. I'm going to speak to Monsi today cuz we're going to talk about a worship leader named Cora. Where did Monsi go? Is he even in the room? He's hiding from me. He's going to appreciate this text cuz it's talking about a worship leader by the name of Cora who wanted the top bunk and there's some lessons about being in charge or being in control that we all need to learn. Now here's what's happened so far the, Israelites have moved from Egypt all the way to Canaan. Last week, Tony shared with you how they had the chance to go into the promised land to fulfill what God had told them to do, to go take the land. They ran in fear and took off and their two-year movement from Egypt now becomes a 40-year camping trip. And at the end of chapter 15, God's gonna reset the order again of the camp to prepare them for what's ahead. And I wanna teach you just three lessons out of 15 and 16 that nobody ever told you about being the authority, about being in charge. No one ever teaches this in college. Nobody shares this with you in your family. You just assume when you put in charge that you have the power and authority to decide everything that you wanna decide. Oh, there's some lessons about being in charge that nobody ever taught us. And I wanna show that to you today Starting in chapter 15 at verse 37, read it with me. 15:37 says this: "The Lord said to Moses, "Speak to the Israelites. I'm putting you in charge, Moses. You speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you're to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on tassel. You'll put these tassels to look at so that you'll remember all the commands of the Lord that you'll obey them and not prostitute yourselves." by chasing, this is a verse you might want to underline, by chasing after lusts of your own hearts and eyes. You could spend all day on that one verse. And then you'll remember to obey all the commands and will be consecrated to your God. And I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Don't forget, I am the Lord your God. Now here's where I want you to see first lesson. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites. Let me say that again. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites. I want you to see right here that this is a lesson many of us don't realize. Authority is not something you grab hold of. Authority is received from somebody. You don't get authority, you don't earn authority, you don't have the skills for it, you don't have the abilities for it. Many times we think like, well, I'm the oldest, so I should be in charge. Or, I've been here the longest, I'm the one that should make the decisions. Or, or uh, okay, I'm going to step on some toes. I'm the man of the house, I'm the one that gets to decide. Ouch, don't, I think my wife is here, so be careful with that one. There's a difference between authority and Position. Position can be earned. Titles can be received because of your seniority or your skill set or so forth. But authority is something granted to you from somebody more powerful than you. The Lord, with all authority, says to Moses, you're in charge. Speak to the people. I'm giving you authority to speak to the people. Now, don't miss this why was Moses still in charge even after, after the failure of Numbers 13 when they didn't go into the Promised Land? Why would God say that Moses, you're still the one I want to speak to the people. You're still the one that's supposed to be in charge. I know the whole Israel has failed, but you're the one I'm giving my authority to. Why would he say that? Because moral character was still displayed by Moses. You wanna know how you receive authority in life? It's by your integrity and your moral character. You want to know how to lose authority in life? It's by breaking integrity or moral character. You can have the skills to do something, but when you start lying to your spouse, when you start start breaking moral character with your family, when you start doing things at work that, that are not morally upright or correct, guess what? Nobody's following you anymore. Authority is received and it's maintained by your moral character. No one ever teaches that, do they? Oh, I'm in charge because I got the skills or I got the abilities or I'm the oldest or I'm, I'm the one that was given to first. No, if you don't, listen parents, if you don't display moral character, your kids will never follow you. If you're in a position of leadership at work and you don't live up to the standards and the values, no one's going to leave you in charge either. And I could speak to kids on this one issue. It's something I wish I had learned when I was younger. You want to have moral, more authority in your own life? Guess what you need to do? Follow your authorities. Because that's the only way you'll receive authority from anybody. Let's move on. Look at chapter 16. Here's how the story begins. Korah, son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. That means he was related to Aaron and Levi and all that Levitical uh, lineage. And certain Reubenites, Dathan and a whole group of others, came in, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known, pointed... Uh, Uh, community leaders these are people that are already in charge who had been appointed members of the council again they received this authority and they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them hey you've gone too far the whole community is holy even every one of them And the Lord is with them. All of that's true. They are. They're holy. They're set apart. They're they're commanded by God to follow him. They're given this special privilege. God is doing something with the whole nation. That is all true. But then they say, why then do you set yourselves up above the Lord's assembly? Why do you think you're different, Moses, Aaron? Why, why, Why do you think you still can be in charge? See, what happens here is, Moses and his authority is going to get tested in the difficulty that Israel is now facing. Two-year trip has become 40. They've moved away from their goal. Now the season becomes really difficult, and Moses' authority is going to get questioned over and over and over again. And listen, friends, when you and I face seasons of difficulty, that's when you discover who's truly leading with the authority of God. Korah was an unknown person up until this story. He's part of the family of Levi. He was the worship leader along with all of his clan. They would have been leading worship. They would have been, they would have been Monsi. They would have been leading worship, and people are following him, and it feels good, and it's great. And by the way, Monsi's doing a fantastic job. Just say it. But something flipped in Korah's head where he started thinking that he should be in charge instead of Moses. And you know how people do this? You've seen this before. If I can bring Moses down, then I can elevate myself. If I can tear down Moses, then I can elevate myself into the leadership role. Be careful, friends, when you start hearing people complain about leaders, Look at them very carefully because sooner or later you'll see that they're trying to elevate their own status and their own position. I was reading a story and I brought it along about Jackson, Mississippi. Apparently, back in 2007, they were having this huge public debate while the city council, the mayor, the city council president, and another councilman were. getting ready to be escorted to jail for some misdealings they did while they were leading. One of the reporters turns to this council group along with some members of the community who were part of this executive group trying to deal with the issue and turns to one of them and says, whose fault is this? And before the member could say anything, before he could muster up the words to blame somebody or point the finger at another person, one of the panelists spoke up. His name was John Perkins. John's an author and a teacher. He's a community developer in the community. He's a national evangelical leader. And before the others could respond, Perkins answers, I'll answer that. He says, it's my fault. And everybody's like, looks at him like, what are you talking about? You had nothing to do with this. You're not even part of the council. What are you you speaking up for? All heads turned his way according to the story. And he elaborated. Here's what he said. I've lived in this community for decades as a Bible teacher. I should have been able to create an environment where what our council president did would have been unthinkable because of my efforts. You want someone to blame? Listen to him. Blame me. All of it. The guy stood up and demonstrated who has true authority when difficulty occurs. You know who has true authority? The one who takes ownership instead of the one who points the finger. is pointing the finger. You know what Moses does? Look at verse four. Just look at this one verse. When Moses heard this, he fell face down. He took ownership. When difficulty occurs, that's when authority steps up and takes ownership instead of blaming other people. Listen to that carefully, folks. I told you a couple weeks ago to stop complaining. Can I suggest to you today, maybe what we, we need to learn is to stop blaming. That wasn't good enough for Cora. And so Moses gives them, I'm just going to read, I'm going to tell you the part of the story that happens next. Moses gives the 250 instructions with Korah. Okay, you bring your censors tomorrow, and I will bring mine, and Aaron will bring his, and we'll see who God has put in charge. I'm not going to grab hold of it. I'm not going to grab for the authority. I'm not going to push for my top bunk position. I'm going to let God decide who's in charge. So they bring their sensors. A censer would have been like a metal box. You've probably seen these in maybe other church experiences. A metal box that you would put coals in and incense in, and it would burn and smoke would come out of it, and it would, you would carry that around. The idea being with a sensor in the Old Testament is they were putting hot coals from the altar that would have been holy from sacrifice into that sensor, into that box, and that would have made the whole sensor very holy to God. And so what he's saying is, you present your holiness, we'll present ours, and we'll see what God says. And that's what Korah did, along with the 250. Now, to make a long story short, here's the third lesson. Authority is lost in rebellion. And I think, given what we've gone through these last 18 months, We need to hear that again. Authority is lost in rebellion. When pride mixes in with your ambition, it turns into rebellion. And rebellion is an illegitimate fight for authority. Let me say it again. Rebellion, when you rebel against authority, that's an illegitimate fight for authority. It never ends well. Because the authority was never given to you. And can I just take off the pastor hat for a minute? <laughs> can I stop being your leader for just, give me two minutes here? Can I just speak to all of us that are listening and watching online for just, just a second, just as one of us? This nation is infected with rebellion. We're the ones at fault, all of us. And it's not turning out well. And we need to stop it. Because all it's doing is defaming the name of Jesus. And violating the authorities that he's established. And it's causing us all to suffer. Can't you see? The rampant sin around us the destruction of his ways and his words. And like John Perkins in that previous story, it's time for us to step up and say, it's our fault. Because we're just as rebellious as the ones we complain about. Now let me put my pastor hat back on. Paul tells the Romans, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. And we'd rather rebel to get our rights than to live at peace and bring God's blessing into the situation. And Korah is going to pay a price. If you read the rest of this story later today, you're going to see God's going to bring fire down and instantly destroy all of those who think they're holy but don't live the life. And he's going to instantly destroy them with fire. I think that would wake us all up if God did that today. My point is this. If God has given you authority, it's not to hold that over people. You've been given a gift. You've received it because he calls you to live a life of integrity and moral character. That's how you keep it and grow it and use it. You've been given a gift to serve people in difficulty, not to run from it when you don't like it. You've been given a gift to not fight in rebellion, but to live in peace among those that are around you. Because ultimately, when God gives us authority, He's got a purpose he's going to use it for. And it's your job to be like Moses and serve with the authority he's given us. Yesterday on the flight coming back, we get into San Francisco. Flight's a little bit early. I'm sitting in my seat. By the way, flights are all full. I mean, you wouldn't even know we were in a pandemic. It's just all the same with, with mass on. I'm sitting in my seat and the announcement comes in. If you've been on a flight recently, you know this. Announcement comes on, please stay in your seats until we call your rows and we'll dismiss you by rows so that we can make it as safe as possible for everyone in the plane. So I'm sitting there in my seat, this person next to me, it's a younger woman, she gets out of her seat, goes above me to pull open the bin to get her luggage down. She's standing up in the middle of the aisle pretty much by herself. And she's just waiting to get off the plane. And the lady in front of me who's older, I didn't realize it till later, she's a flight attendant that's not on duty on that plane, but she is a flight attendant. She just turns to the young woman and she says, I don't know if you heard correctly, but we're supposed to remain in our seats until they dismiss our rows. That was all she said. The young woman in the aisle starts saying, what did you say? Like, what are you talking about? And I won't, re- I won't say all that she said. <laughs> But she goes off on a rant. You don't have authority. You don't have desire. You're not in charge. You're not one of the flight attendants in charge of this plane. You don't have a right to say to me, do you think you're my mother? I don't need a mother. I'm 40 years old. She goes on and on and on. And she just kept going and going and going. Finally, I'm like, what am I going to say? Because something's got to be said. The whole plane's hearing this. And she's not stopping. And I just finally leaned over. She's standing right next to me. I said, listen, ma'am, you've made your point. What I really want to say is, hi, my name's Scott. You must be Karen I keep hearing about. <laughs> Sorry. I guess I should have taken the pastor hat off on that. One. She didn't calm down, but she made her point, and here's her point. She definitely doesn't carry the authority of God. That is not how you treat people, even if you disagree with them. And what was really sad, and this is where I almost lost it, was she started saying, Jesus, you need to take care of this woman. And I really was like, oh, you don't even want to start that. Something inside of me shut my mouth. The Holy Spirit kept me from saying what I really wanted to say. And I started praying for the lady. Korah decided that he should be in charge instead of Moses. And it cost him and his family their lives. So here's the camp lesson for today. And I'm just gonna give you a quick three things about it. You can read the rest of the chapter. But here's the camp lesson for today. When God has given you authority, don't don't seek to grab the authority. You use the authority to bring atonement to people around you. Moses falls on his face for the people three times in this passage. He calls for God's mercy instead of letting God bring judgment on all of the assembly. In fact, that's one of the parts of the story that's amazing to me is all the ways that Moses continues to demonstrate (laughs) That his job with the authority of God is to intercede for people, not hold it over them. Parents, that's a great lesson for you. You know, when you feel like saying, I'm the parent, I'm the mom, I'm the dad, I'm in charge, do what I say. You're not using your authority correctly. When you're the boss and you want to use the title to de- demand what you want at work instead of using your gifts to lead and serve the people, you're not using your authority correctly. And when you're part of a church family, don't forget who holds all the authority. It's not you, and certainly in me. He is Lord. So three ways to do that. And I'm just going to summarize them because I don't have time today to go into deep detail. Three ways that Moses did that. Verse 15, he says, God, while these people are rebelling and these 250 leaders, he's got some problems, he's he's angry, he's upset, he's emotional, he's very angry, but he says to the Lord, not to the people around him, he says to the Lord, God, just don't accept their offering because listen, I've not taken so much as a donkey from them nor have I wronged any of them. In other words, I've maintained my integrity. I've maintained my moral character. When you're living in a world that's rejecting God's ways, the best thing we can do is maintain God's ways in our life. Oh, come on, give me an amen on that. The best demonstration of God's power in your life is to demonstrate to the world around you that you're following the Lord the best you know. Maintain your integrity. Maintain your moral character. Even when the world is defaming your name and upset about you not supporting their sin. Second thing he does, verse 21 and 24. The Lord says to Moses and Aaron, get away from the entire assembly. What he's saying is, get back away from the people. I'm wiping them all out. We're starting over because they have totally defamed my name and gone against my authority. I'm starting all over, just get away. And you know what Moses says? He bows before God, says, please don't take the whole assembly out. Don't punish the whole group for the sins of one. So then in verse 24, God says, okay. Then he says, say to the assembly, move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. Move away from the ones who... in." instigated this. Move away from the ones who are bringing the evil into the camp. Get away from them. And I think this is a good word for us today. To separate ourselves from the rebellion. I'm not saying you can exit from the culture or get away from the state or run from the problems. You can't do that. You're just going to bring those problems somewhere else. Go back to the earlier lesson. We still own our own rebellion. What I am saying is, is that you don't need to participate in it. In fact, you need to do what Moses did. Take a lesson from Moses. I could learn from this too. I need to be praying for people while I not participate in their behavior. Listen to that again. I need to pray for people while I don't participate in what they're doing. And believe me, I understand how hard that is. As a pastor with a pastor's heart, it breaks my heart to watch the lies propagate and people think it's just appropriate lifestyle when they're following the ways in rebellion against God. Separate yourself from the rebellion. But then most importantly, and look at the end of this story, the next day, everybody shows up to Moses and you would think, (laughs) you would think, they just watched fire come down and destroy 250 people. They watched as plagues just wiped out parts of the nation before when they complained and did things wrong. They've seen earthquakes open up before them and suck lives down into the ground. I don't know about you, but if you saw all of those things, do you think maybe you'd shut up? Do you think maybe you'd be kissing the ground asking for God's forgiveness? Do you wonder why after 9-11 and tornadoes and hurricanes and fires and let's just call it, not a pandemic, let's call it a plague. Why are we not on our knees? And you know what Moses and Aaron does? This is so amazing to me. I'm not sure I could be this kind of leader very often. When God's ready to wipe out the whole assembly, he falls before God on his knees and says, God, please don't do this. And the plague had already started. So he turns to Aaron and says, Aaron, grab your censer, fill it up. Run into the plague. Run into the mess. Go and be a part, bring God's holiness in your censer into the disaster. (laughs) We always run away from it. Do you ever notice? And Aaron obeys Moses and stops the plague by bringing God's holiness into it. When God's given you authority, which he's given pretty much everybody in this room, many of you watching online, he's given you some level of authority. You take that authority and use it for sake of rescuing people. Not running not holding, not keeping it for myself, not avoiding everybody else. No, you use what God has given you to rescue people who are going to hell if you don't enter the mess. And Aaron does that, and the plague stops. And the two men, who were given authority from God, demonstrate what it looks like when you have top bunk. I like how this passage ends, and this is where I wanted to end today. Verse 50. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting for the plague had stopped. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the tent of of meeting Moses and Aaron sought atonement for people instead of holding on to the authority for themselves In the New Testament they wouldn't have gone to the tent the New Testament believer would have gone to the table Because the place to see this lived out is what Jesus demonstrated at the table on the night of the Passover. Instead of grabbing for his authority rightfully, he chose to become the atonement, the payment for the sin of people so that he could reconcile people back to God. He did exactly what we learn from this passage. He chose to be the atonement instead of holding authority. And I'm learning, and maybe you are too, that that's our true calling. To be the atonement for your family member To be the atonement for that workmate you don't like. Okay. To be the atonement for that young lady on the airplane yesterday. You have the authority of God. Use it to bring atonement to the people around you. And that's why today I wanted to celebrate communion at the end of this message together to remember the example of Jesus he chose to become your sin by giving up his body on a cross could have called down 10,000 angels but he chose to be the sacrifice to pay for your sin take eat this is his body do this in remembrance of him. And kind of like that censor story. He didn't just take our sin, but he cleanses us with his blood. He washed us white as snow so that we can enter the presence of God again. So that we have the promise of eternal life. The atonement is complete by his blood. And this is his blood shed for you. For the cleansing of your sin, take in remembrance of him. forgive us, Father, when we try to grab top bunk from the people around us. Instead of being people who intervene and intercede and support those around us in ways that honor you, that maintain our own moral character and rescue them from the judgment ahead. Thank you for this story today. It shakes us up, shakes me up. I wanna be more like Moses. I wanna be more like Jesus. Using the authority you've given us to do the greatest good For the sake of people around us, help us to be people who seek atonement instead of authority. So that you get all the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.